everybody. How you doing? This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 11th. And today I'm going to answer some more of your questions because I can't keep up with them all. You guys are so amazing. And today we're going to talk a few uh, for a few minutes about the things that are happening in the culture. And I'm going to give you a little shot in the arm from the word of God. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys. So we are already at the 11th of November and your questions. I don't think I've ever seen questions come in this fast to Mailbox Monday. And so I'm going to try to get to a question every day if I can, and maybe more Mondays are sort of dedicated to them on Wednesday or actually no, this Thursday and Friday, I've got another awesome guest. It's a surprise. You guys are going to be so excited. Um, She's going to come on and we're going to talk some more about the lie of COVID-19 and why you need to tell the truth. It's not enough now for us just to sit back and go, well, I don't believe it, but I'm just going to let bygones be bygones. No, this is war. You guys need to tell the truth. And I'm going to have somebody on the show that it's going to, it's a little bit mind blowing. So um, I didn't, I never thought I'd be talking so much about the Rona and so much about uh, what's going on in the culture right now, but it's becoming increasingly obvious that truth is being uh, squashed and we have an opportunity to tell the truth. And I'm just going to encourage you to take it every chance that I get. If you guys are interested in having your questions answered here at the podcast, the way to do it is really simple. Just go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday and fill out that form, or you can go to anchor.fm and you can leave me a voicemail. Uh, Either way, I'm going to encourage you, uh, those should be uh, short and sweet and to the point. (laughs) Okay, so when you fill those out, please be sure that that is that that's how you do it. It's just keeping those things kind of short and kind of sweet and to the point. All right, I want to talk for just a second today about the antidote to panic. Because again, we're seeing more panic. We're watching in Europe, the lockdowns, they're locking them down again. They locked down Israel. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Boris Johnson over there in the UK. Oh my goodness, you guys. He's like flipped out, completely flipped out. Someone was asking me the other day if I think about, you know, the Bible talks about a strong delusion that's going to come in the end times. What, you, you know, do I think that that's part and parcel to that. Um, I don't know, but there's some definitely some weird stuff uh, going on, but I want to take you back to what Jesus said. We've talked about this before, but I'm going to say it again, and then I'm going to answer some questions. Uh, Jesus is talking in Mark chapter 13, uh, verse seven, the beginning part of verse seven. He says, you're going to hear about wars, rumors of wars, threats of wars. Uh, Don't panic is what he says. Praise is the antidote to panic. And there is a lot to be worried about. I agree with you guys uh, in the world right now, but we are still called to be children of light. We are still called to share a gospel message. We're called to teach our children to be at peace in a world that's full of panic and fear. And the answer to how we how we handle this is both simple and profound. The answer is to praise. And you guys have heard me talk about my panic disorder on the show, you know, for a long, long time. I've told you I finally was able to get off all of the medications, which is a, a really a miracle, particularly now given what's happening in the culture and the people that feel the need to, you know, call and turn us in every time, you know, they, they get a chance. And uh, I'm a huge believer in essential oils. You guys can find out more about that at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash oils. I love to utilize the natural things that God has given us. 
Um, and so I'm familiar with panic. And I, you know, my childhood sort of set me up for a, a massive lifelong struggle with the spirit called fear. But God stands ready to bring hope and healing. And he's faithful, you guys. He He's faithful. He wants to bring healing. And part of how God steadies and steals our hearts in the middle of trial, in the middle of tribulation, is the power, really, of worship and of, of praising him. And it really is the best antidote to panic. Praise is the antidote. And so have you guys ever noticed that when you sing to the Lord, your heart becomes focused on him? And I honestly think this is by design. We were created to worship God. God loves it when we give him praise. And so it makes sense that as we do the things, uh, as we do praise him, the things of earth kind of tend to you know, disappear into the background for a while and become, in the words of the hymn, strangely dim. And so if you're listening to this right now and you're struggling with anxiety or panic or fear, it's very likely that you're going to pass that on to your kids. And part of our job as parents, part of our job as leaders is to give the younger generation tools in their emotional and spiritual tool belt so they can handle the things that life throws at them. And so uh, you, uh, there are lots of ways that we can handle things. You guys, like I said before, check out um, thebusymom.com forward slash oils. You can hear my whole spiel about why I think they're so powerful in the fight against anxiety. But the bigger part of that is to recognize that the, the spiritual component to fear is 100% the main component. It is spiritual. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Our kids need to know about the gift of praise. You know, when God says we come before him, he says, enter my courts with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter my courts with praise. God honors it when we praise him. And so today I'm just going to encourage you to make sure that your kids know about praise. Let them see you do it. The next time you feel panic, you know, raising its uh, ugly head inside of you, turn up your praise music, lift your hands to heaven, dance around the living room like nobody except for God is watching. And then watch what happens because as the spirit of the living God uh, is, uh, is front and center in your life, he replaces that fear that you feel with love. Praise really is the antidote to panic. And so uh, I know you guys, I'm, I'm hearing from more and more of you having issues with your churches, issues with your pastors. Uh, I, I want to say thank God for the pastors that are holding the line right now. Thank God for the pastors that are opening their churches and they're not running from the Rona. They're not doing the masks. They're not doing the, you know, the temperature checks and all that. And if you've got a pastor like that, can you let him know that you appreciate him? Can you say thank you so much for standing in the gap? Thank you for showing us how it's done. Um, it's important. It really is. All right. I'm going to get some of your questions today. The first one uh, is about temperature checks. And believe it or not, you know, I, I chose to uh, play this particular one uh, because uh, it's just happening all the time. And so this, this question comes from Lisa. I'm going to play it for you. And then Lisa, I'm going to answer your question. Hi, Heidi. I was wondering what your feelings are on churches that are requiring a temp check before entering our church um, is an outdoor church for now and just started implementing this and I haven't been back because of it and it's really breaking my heart, but I'm having trouble sorting out my feelings about it. Um, so I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are. Thank you. All right. So temperature checks in church. I think I've talked about this before, 
But I'm going to tell you guys again. Uh, I think it's a terrible infringement on your bodily autonomy to have to get your temperature checked to walk into church. All you have to do is take a Tylenol for your fever to be gone. Um, I would assume that you're not going to come to church if you've got a fever. If you don't feel good, you're not going to come and your pastor should assume that too. And if your pastor can't trust you to take care of yourself and care about other people in the church enough to not come when you're sick, then he uh, is not, I don't, you know, wow, I hardly even know how to respond anymore. I would leave that church. And I know some of you are like, what? I can't, I can't believe you guys, this is the job of your pastor is not to take your temperature except for spiritually. His job is to take your spiritual temperature, not your physical temperature. And we are rendering unto Caesar what is God's. And it it makes me a hundred different kinds of frustrated. I'm disappointed. I don't even know, you know, uh, I don't know when this is going to stop, but it's given you a chance right now to find a pastor who's actually got some uh, discernment and is not going to bow to all of these tyrannical mandates. And so that's my answer. And I know some of you disagree with me, but uh, I want to just encourage you again. There are awesome pastors out there who are literally standing in the gap right now. And they're doing it at enormous cost, at enormous risk, if you can even believe that. You guys remember, again, we're talking about a virus with a 99.98% survival rate. Uh, Tomorrow, I'm going to have a guest on the show that's going to blow your mind. You guys are familiar with this person because you've seen her on the news. And she's an incredible story to tell. And, uh, I, you know, it becomes every day it, I, I become more and more passionate about helping these people get, get the, the truth out because the truth is being silenced. I, and I've never seen anything quite like it in my life. And for, for pastors to participate in this is mind, mind blowing to me. I, I just do not understand how we got here and yet we're here. And so uh, that's kind of the, the, I guess, a long answer to your question. All right, next question comes from Kim. Kim says, hi, Heidi, I'm a public school teacher in North Carolina, and I firmly believe my mission field is the public school. I value your opinion and love listening to your podcast, but I do disagree with shaming the public school sector as the whole. I see for myself countless teachers who go above and beyond for their students, pray for them, and instill a love of Christ into their students. Do you not believe the same? that some people, including children, have a mission field in the public school. It's going to take people in the system to change it. All right, Kim, thank you so much for sending me the question. I really appreciate it. The Bible teaches us in Luke chapter six, verse 40, that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. And so I'm always encouraged when I hear about godly teachers. And in fact, I've got a couple of them in my family. Uh, My daughter's mother-in-law is a wonderful godly woman who's been a teacher in the public school for over 30 years. And if you were to have her, uh, if you were to listen to her right now, she would tell you that she is starting to feel more and more and more like her hands are tied because even though she's a godly teacher and a very good woman, and she sees the, the public school as a mission field, as well as a vocation, she understands like at places like here in Washington, uh, the indoctrination and the government takeover of these schools is essentially complete now in many areas of the country. And so I'm not trying to say, when I say parents pull your kids out of school, and I'm going to say it again, parents take your kids out of public school. I don't think the public schools are places that we want uh, Christian children to be. I don't think that we want any children to be in them right now because the systemic 
indoctrination, the sexual indoctrination for sure, the political indoctrination, the ideology that says that uh, socialism is good and capitalism is bad, the anti-patriotic indoctrination that's happening in our schools is real. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I know that there are good teachers, even countless teachers, but this stuff is being mandated at levels that are way above the teachers. And so even people that I know, wonderful Christians who are teaching in the schools, they recognize, they see the handwriting on the wall. And so do I think that Christian teachers should be in the schools? Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you're there. It's completely a mission field. The kids that are there, a lot of these kids as parents, you know, they they work, they, you know, two people that are working full time and they couldn't afford to put their kids in a private school for life dependent on it. So they put their kids in public school and they need godly teachers to be there. But by and large, and I have really changed my opinion about this over probably the course of the last five years in particular, uh, I don't think it's any place for Christian kids at all. If uh, if the Bible is true, and I think it is, then the God's word says that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. These kids are being taught um, basically the doctrine of demons inside the schools right now, particularly through sex, sex education, particularly as it relates to comprehensive sex education. Uh, and I don't think it's the fault necessarily of the teachers. I do think there are a lot of wicked teachers who are pushing this stuff. But you see it at the administrative levels. You see it in government levels. The um, the schools in the pocket, really, of Planned Parenthood. And so I do think it. Yes, you're right, Kim. It's going to take people to change it. But I don't think that those people should be the, the the students. You would never put a child at the front lines. Education is the front lines of the spiritual battle right now. It absolutely is. I mean, this is what this, Hitler knew this, right? Hitler said, uh, he who rules the youth rules the future. They know that if they can indoctrinate these kids, if they can uh, worm their wicked way into the minds of these kids, that ultimately this will change the culture. And they, they're they patient. They're going to wait. Um, I'm out of patience. I'm out of patience for the public school system, particularly as it relates to kids. So I don't think we should put our kids on the front lines. They're not ready. They're not equipped. And they don't have enough defense inside the schools anymore to back them up. So I'm not trying to hurt your feelings when I talk about this. I'm not trying to shame the public school sector without saying that I know that there are godly people in there who are doing the very best they can, but I will say it boldly, shame on the public schools for the sexual indoctrination of our children starting in kindergarten. Shame on them. And we've allowed this to happen. And uh, I hope every public school teacher within the sound of my voice is doing, uh, you guys are going to have to go to war because you're on the front lines. You really are. So I'm fighting in a different way. I'm fighting it by saying, parents, take your kids out of schools. I'm fighting it by going to my state legislator and trying to get referendums on the ballot and trying to educate people. If you're a teacher, you get to fight from the inside. And uh, I'm praying for you. And I'm and I'm glad that you're there. So, Kim, I hope you hear my heart. This question comes from Lauren. She says, hi, Heidi. I am all the way pro-life, but a close friend of mine brought this up to me and it got me thinking. A few years ago, she had an ectopic pregnancy and was told she would need to dissolve the pregnancy or she could possibly die. 
What are your thoughts on this issue? It seems like it's technically abortion, but the embryo would never have survived and she could have died in the process. Okay, so I have addressed this topic before, Lauren, um, about a year ago with uh, Abby Johnson, who's the girl behind the movie Unplanned. We talked about the issue of ectopic pregnancy. That baby, uh, you're absolutely right. That ectopic pregnancy, that embryo will not survive and very likely will cost the life of the mother. So to me, that's very different than going into the uterus where there is a, a baby who's been implanted and is going to grow and thrive. Uh, there, That is different than uh, abortion. So an ectopic pregnancy, I've had many friends who have had them. One of my friends actually had her fallopian tube rupture from an ectopic pregnancy and she almost died. Uh, had she known that was there, they would have gone in and removed it, would have saved uh, her life. But the baby was going to die anyway. That embryo was going to uh, was going to die anyway. This is completely different than when we talk about what we should do in case of an abortion. An abortion is going in, taking the life of a baby that would have survived and the mother would have survived too, and terminating the life of that child for whatever reason. And very rarely, and I always hear, you know, life of the mother, life of the mother. I I can't even think of an instance that I know that a normal pregnancy, and by normal, I mean uh, the embryo that has implanted properly on the uterine wall like it is supposed to, that a normal pregnancy would have resulted in the death of the mother. I've even talked to mothers who have been diagnosed with cancer even stage three cancer uh, in the middle of their pregnancies, chosen to take those babies to term, not terminate the life and go ahead and just try. I mean, we really should be trying as much as we can to save the life of the mother and the child if we're in a situation where uh, that the pregnancy, particularly as it relates to cancer and things like this, where the mother needs treatment immediately. So like one of these moms I know, she uh, she just started taking chemotherapy. They said, no, abort your baby. The chemotherapy is going to make your baby sick. She said, I'll risk making the baby sick. I'm not going to kill the baby. So can you guys see the 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 irrationality of that argument? That that argument says, let's kill the baby rather than risk injuring it. Well, okay. <laughs> so ectopic pregnancy to me is in a completely different category uh, as opposed to a mother who even becomes sick during a normal, healthy pregnancy. And anyway, I should have finished the story. The The woman who uh, was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer went ahead and did radiation and chemotherapy. Her baby was born six months later, perfectly healthy, is doing great today. He's probably driving a car right now, uh, doing absolutely great. And then they said, you know, the radiation, the chemotherapy, this has ruined your chances for ever having another baby. So she and her husband, you know, after she finally was better and everything, they they decided they weren't going to use birth control because she just figured she was sterile. She got pregnant again. And I thought, man, how good of the Lord to honor her decision to say, even though I'm sick and my doctors are telling me I need to take the life of my own child in order to save my own life, I'm not going to do that. Uh, this baby's in my uterus. It's growing. It's healthy. I'm going to do the chemotherapy, the radiation, whatever it is I need to kick this cancer, but I'm not going to murder my child. An ectopic pregnancy does not fall into that category. So I hope that that helps you, that that makes sense. Uh, you know, these are difficult uh, questions that we're being asked. And uh, and to me, that's one of the easier ways, uh, I guess, to find it. Um, 
you another question really quickly, and I'm just, I'll answer this gal before I leave. She says, what was the first podcast when you mentioned John Piper that you were disappointed? I listened to every podcast, but evidently I missed it. Uh, I think I may have said a podcast and I probably meant social media. So if you search back on my social media, whatever you can see of it, which whoever even knows right now, uh, you will see that. When I said I was disappointed in, in John Piper the first time, it was because I saw him answer a question. He does kind of something similar to what I'm doing on Mailbox Monday. He answered a question about a woman who was living with an abusive husband. And he basically told her to stay in that abusive relationship. And having grown up in a home like that, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, that's not, you know, if a woman comes to me and she tells me her her husband is abusing her and I can see that the abuse is real and not just like, you know, he doesn't like my dinner or we don't get along. I'm talking about a real legitimate abuse. And this was the answer that that Mr. Piper was answering. And he was giving her some sort of weird you know, so-called biblical response to why she should stay. And I was very alarmed by that. Um, I don't, I don't like that at all. Jesus never said, Hey, be a doormat for the guy who's beating you in the name of Jesus. And we can talk about this, you know, all day long, but that was the first time that, and this was years ago that I felt like John Piper really lacked discernment in that answer. I think he's an amazing Bible teacher. I think he lacks incredible discernment when it comes to the election. I think his answer about the election was arrogant and misguided, but I also appreciate a lot of things he teaches on. And so there are areas that we can disagree on uh, and and we we're called to pray for each other and to love one another. So, uh, so I appreciated that question. And then really quickly, Lindsay said, last Thursday and Friday, I want to interview Dr. Urso. He mentioned a website called pandata.org. He did mention that. I looked for it. I can't find it either. (laughs) So I don't know. We've reached out to him to try to get that uh, link corrected, or at least maybe I heard him wrong or something, but we'll try to figure that out, Lindsay. And as soon as we do, I'll announce it here at the show. We appreciate you guys listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for leaving reviews for the podcast. We're trying to get to 10,000 reviews. If you've not left a review for the podcast over at iTunes, we would appreciate it. Also, we greatly appreciate your financial support. And clearly we need your prayers here at Firmly Planted Family, and at the Heidi St. John Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do that via snail mail at 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Have a great day, everybody. Stay faithful, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com. 